Hi everyone, this is Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of Naya Beauty. Welcome back to Naya Unfiltered. Today I'm talking with Amber Tellerico, our own Naya Beauty Artist Coordinator. We sit down and we talk about the ins and outs of becoming a working artist, how to conduct yourself on set, and also how to market yourself to get those coveted artist assistant jobs. Get out your notebooks and start taking notes. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Naya Unfiltered. I'm Thea Sanders, CEO and founder of Naya Beauty. And today's guest is Amber. She is our Naya Pro Recruiter, but she's also a working experienced makeup artist. And she's here to talk to us about all the tips to be a successful makeup artist. I am Amber Tallarico, and I am a freelance makeup artist. I've been doing freelance for 13 years now. And uh, back in, well, I work primarily in advertising, commercials, things like that, film and fashion and production. And I have recently started back in the, uh, 2017, I released a documentary called What It Takes. And it was all about what it takes to be a successful makeup artist and the struggles that we go through on the journey to that. And so ever since then, I have created a whole entire online platform for makeup artists where I offer um, makeup challenges, I do online courses, programs, and even an online monthly membership site for makeup artists. And basically I just teach how to manifest consistent work in the freelance world um, by utilizing social media marketing and mindset techniques. Mm. You know, one of the first things that I um, learned about you, which was really compelling, was like your, um, your passion to give back. You know, it was about like, when we started talking about Naya, what seemed to excite you the most was not only just having a resource for women so that they can get matched up with makeup artists, but also like educating newbie makeup artists out there and really giving back and telling them in and educating them on what the business is, like what to expect and how to um, prepare themselves for the real world, if you will, you know, coming out of school the kind of jobs, how to market themselves, and a lot about manifesting the work, you know, mm-hmm. that it's not as easy as you think, like right when you graduate, you're going to get all these jobs or like, you're going to be on set and you're going to be like, you know, working with all these movie stars, but that it's hard work and that it's a total process and it's a, you're constantly learning, you know, and that's what it seems like with you. Like you, you have like this whole other side, which is like, you have the ones like where you're like, um, applying makeup and you're on set and you have your clients, but then there's a whole other side of you, which is like, oh, behind the scenes telling makeup artists like, hey, here's the real deal. You know, like, you know, moving the curtain so that they can see behind the scenes. Like, why do you think, like what happened in order for you to get this passion to want to pay it forward? Thank you. I, um, I've always been kind of obsessed with learning like really obsessed. Um, it's so funny that you asked this question because in, in my industry, uh, a lot of makeup artists, there's makeup artists that are incredibly passionate and obsessed with doing makeups. And so they're always practicing on themselves, on other people, the special effects world, same thing. They're always sculpting something. They're always uh, taking classes. And I started realizing, I'm like, why? Like, 
am I not like a, like, am I not really like that good at what I do? Cause like, I don't do that. Although like, you know, I, I get really great um, consistent work, but then I was like, no, what I'm obsessed with is I'm obsessed with learning and regurgitating that to other people to help them kind of up-level themselves. So I love sharing what I learn in a, like, you know, it's hours of time, but then I'm, you know, kind of to put it in bite size for people that's more digestible. And I'm obsessed with seeing other people succeed. So I kind of went with that because that really lights me up. I still love being on set. Um, I love being a part of a team and putting something really cool together. But that aspect of, you know, giving back is something that truly, truly lights me up. So that was kind of where that all stemmed from when I was creating the film and, you know, kind of opening that curtain for people to see that it is hard. It is a, a huge struggle. And a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions out there of like being a makeup artist uh, that it's super glamorous and things like that. But um, I want to just show to people like, you're not a failure if you're struggling. <laughs> so don't give up so easily, you know? supportive industry I mean is it super competitive or you know when you first stepped out there like did you have support what what was it like when I first started not really um I would say one of my my strong points is networking I am pretty um resistant or I don't know if resistant is the word um but I I have no qualms being like hey I'm Amber like you know, could you help me with this? Like I, I literally my entire documentary, there was 40 artists we interviewed. I got some of the biggest makeup artists cause I did not, I wasn't scared to reach out to people and network. So that I have never had that like limit for myself. So I feel like in my experience, I have had a lot of support, but there's not support that's like here's a, a like a platform of artists that are willing to help like I had to find those people myself so uh yes it's competitive yes it's supportive but only to a certain extent and I feel like now since so many people are virtual it's becoming more of a common thing but before especially when I started it was not definitely not yeah so what's changed like what do you why do you think that now it's become a little bit more supportive because you can go onto instagram right and you can see like you know makeup artists are not only showcasing their work but they're showcasing other people's work too mm. you know acknowledging other people's work and it seems like from an outsider's position that it seems kind of supportive but i think that you know i think it can be competitive also you know because there are other there are like a lot of talented artists that are competing for these positions, right? And especially with the lockdown, with there not being that much work, you know, I'm just wondering, what do you think suddenly shifted for people to become supportive? I think the lockdown forced all of us because, um, I mean, I'm like the a true, like textbook workaholic. Like if I'm not on set, I'm working on something and it's usually my, my online business or you know something else and so when the production on March 13th I'll never ever forget that day I was in like utter shock because I my whole world revolved around production work at that time and so when that was completely taken from me 
I luckily had my, my online business to fall back on, but not, a, not all people did, not all artists did. And so what it did is it forced us to, and so many other industries, not just ours, connect with one another on a completely different level. Mm-hmm. Um, so a ton of makeup artists that are really, you know, big, famous makeup artists were doing lives like Instagram lives. And because nobody was working, they were so much more approachable. So, you know, um, to be honest, the, the growth that I saw on Instagram accounts, like seeing them go from like, say 5,000 followers to like 30,000 followers just from the lockdown, like just shows mm-hmm. everybody was on line everybody was virtual everybody was on their devices and connecting on such a deeper level and i think that was a massive shift but i do think just in general the last 10 years we're in this like you know technology age where when i started 13 years ago uh instagram hadn't even launched yet um i think it was like a couple years after that maybe Gosh, and if it did, I wasn't really aware of it. So I feel like Instagram changed that for our industry because it's such a visual platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just social media in general has changed the con- like way that we connect um, more than, than ever before. Let's talk about education. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, since I'm a layperson coming into the beauty industry, um, I didn't realize that there are a lot of self-taught artists. And then there's artists who have gone to school and received a certificate. And what's funny is that both sides have respect for one another. You know, yeah. like the girls or the artists who go to classes and they're working, they're like, you know what, there are some really talented self-taught makeup artists that maybe, you know, that they've experimented when they were younger and, um, and then they just grew up and they love, you know, to experiment with makeup and then they love to, you know, help other people with their makeup. Is there a philosophical difference or any type of difference that you see when you work with a self-taught makeup artist as, as um, opposed to an artist who's gone to school? I feel like there is a difference, but it's also in the personality as well. I think everybody is so significantly different. There are some people that have gone to school uh, that I would never hire, just, you know what I'm saying? Um, But there also are people that haven't gone to school that I would also not hire. And then on the other spectrum, same thing. Like I've hired, you know, assistants that, or people onto my teams, if I ever need like extended amount of people, for like if they were, you know, traditionally taught or, you know, self-taught, I've done both sides. I would say that um, the only, the only thing that nobody will ever be able to learn that self-taught is the set etiquette. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's probably the biggest downside to being self-taught that I have come across whenever I have worked with somebody that is um, has never truly like has actually gone to school like a, a, a formal school um, so set etiquette is like so I'm speaking in the world of production okay so when you are on a for example when you're on a tv show there's certain people that you uh report to it's a it's like a a, the chain of command so to speak and it's completely different in the film world so the way that you would speak to like say for instance you're trying to get creative direction 
typically with TV shows, it's not going to be the same person as the film world. The film world, you always go to, for instance, like the director or the writers. In TV, it would be like the showrunners or the writers or the producers. It's not necessarily the directors because directors tend to, with series, there's different directors for each one. So as a whole, they're not necessarily the ones that are, you know what I'm saying? Like you can still get that direction from the director, but it's just a different chain of command. Same thing with commercials. Um, you, you don't talk to the director about the creative direction. You're essentially getting that direct creative direction from the, um, the client itself. So if you're doing a Pantene commercial, you're not asking the director, how do you want their makeup? It's, it's the, the client, the Pantene client. They're saying to us, this is how we want our commercial to look. So there's etiquettes like that, or say for instance, if you're assisting, there's you know, certain ways that you go about assisting that you know, there's do's and don'ts of how, you know, like for example, if you're working on a celebrity and you're assisting that makeup artist that's working on a celebrity, you're not there to have a conversation with the celebrity and make friends with the celebrity, it's an etiquette. So you're there to assist the makeup artist. You, does that make sense? So there's just like different etiquettes of just a ton of different areas of the business. And same thing with like bridal, there's etiquette with that. You know, if a makeup artist is hiring a team for a bridal party, you as the makeup, makeup artist being hired from that girl that got you the job, you would never give your card out to the individual people you're working with because it's not your job. So that's like a set etiquette. So is this set etiquette taught in school? It is. Um, so I went to makeup designery. I can only speak for makeup designery. I know that in their curriculum, because I taught for them for years, um, they, well, I, I taught, I traveled for them and taught, but I know their curriculum, like the back of my hand and they teach set etiquette. Uh, I believe cinema makeup school, they're more special effects. They do have set etiquette stuff um but any other uh you know institutes i i can't really speak for okay so do you think that it's necessary to go to school to to be able to be successful in this industry no okay so it's not really a requirement so we you know you have like these self-taught girls who got their hustle and they're they're out there and um they're doing great work what would your advice be to get booked? I mean, do they need an agent? Um, how are they, you know, you talked about assisting. How do they get hooked up with someone to be able to assist? Yeah, yeah. So no, they do not need to go to a school at all. Um, and no, they don't need an agent. Uh, we're starting to kind of go into this new um, age of our industry where like, 10 years ago, having an agent was like a really, really, really big deal. And that unfortunately is just that, that like clout is starting to dwindle. Like for example, I, you know, I, I'm really busy every single month, but I don't have an agent. Mm -hmm. um, would an agent make anything different? Maybe it might get, like I might get more jobs, but the, the concept of the agent is they're taking a percentage. So in my mind, why would I, I'm already getting booked enough. You know what I'm saying? Um, agents typically come into play when you really want to go the celebrity route um, in my experience. But um, as far as like getting consistent work, it's more so about 
how you're networking. That's really, you know, I know, I mean, inside my online platform, I know so many artists. There's a girl that I have in mind right now. She's only been doing makeup for three years and she is like so busy. She's already done like 17 feature films and that's huge. And while she's not like racking in the dough, she has a lot of experience in her first three years. And she consistently shows up in Facebook groups and networks and is constantly learning more about our industry. So I don't think she's technically self-taught. She has her esthetician license, but I know esthetician school isn't makeup school. So she, she learned on the job as far as like the special effects side, working in feature films and doing makeups and things that way. And she's, you know, she was doing really well for herself for, you know, within her first three years. So um, I think you can be really, really successful, whether you go to makeup school or not, it doesn't really matter. It's really, I mean, there's so many makeup artists that I know that I graduated with that are like not even doing anything with makeup because they just couldn't get their like couldn't get any work um like i said at the beginning it's really about like kind of the personalities and what each person is willing to do to put themselves out there in any industry right yeah and, you know how successful you are it depends upon like how much you put yourself out there you know and you have to be um known to be able to be recognized right and you've got to pay your dues and going out there and introducing yourself and networking and meeting people, being in, the, in those industry parties or whatever and, and events and just kind of mingling. And like you said, networking is like really huge. So if we, moving past like education and going into specialties, I know that by looking at your resume, you know, you can do a lot of things. Like you've done like that editorial. And now what's really interesting is like you had said that um, when we spoke before, you were like, I'm really into men's grooming, you know? Which is something that like, I would, you know, like men's grooming, like what, you know, shave your face. They like the men that I know, they're just like, maybe, maybe if you're lucky washing their face and washing their face is like a bar of soap in the shower. Right. And they're not wearing any type of like um, moisturizer or sunscreen, heaven forbid, any type of eye cream or neck cream. So it's like, what is men's grooming aside from shaving? Yeah, well, it's a lot, actually. Um, I have like an entire course on men's grooming. So in my in my space, um, what what I do as a men's groomer. So just to give some backstory, I like Thea said, I do a lot of things, but men's grooming is my absolute favorite. Um, and there's an art to it. So first and foremost, I have my, my cosmetology license. So I do haircuts. Um, so that's one of the things as a men's groomer to, and some people in the makeup space, when they think men's grooming, they think just the makeup, but it actually, it's a lot more than that. It's trimming the beard. It's taming the beard. You know, if they do need their beard shaved or shaving their beard, um, I'm not a barber. So legally I cannot do straight shaves, but then it's also doing the haircuts and, you know, and then of course the skincare and the, the, the makeup. So that's, that's what men's grooming is as an entirety. So I'm typically doing um, haircuts when I'm doing men's grooming. Like, you know, okay. sometimes it's like a complete cut. Sometimes it's just trimming. 
Um, but that is a part of what that quote unquote men's grooming service is. So when I get hired specifically as a men's groomer, so if my title on the call sheet says men's groomer, I know chances are there's going to be beard trimming involved and or haircuts involved. So, um, you know, and then of course, you know, there's definitely plenty of times where I've been hired on just a job. That's just a general job and I'm doing everybody, but I'm still working on men's like men doing quote unquote men's grooming. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, I get it. It's like, you know, back in the day, like years ago, it was like, you know, men who were like grooming, they were called metrosexual, right? Yeah. You know, they really take care of their skin and they're kind of laughed at, but men's grooming is like, and um, men taking care of their skin, it's like exploding, right? Yeah. So it makes sense when you're like, hey, I really dig men's grooming. And it's like, yeah, okay, that is, um, yeah. So now it's like, it has like a title. It has something, you know, before when it was like, oh, you know, they're metrosexual, but it's like, you know, men are grooming themselves. Right. Yes. But now there's a makeup artist, you know, and there's artistry and you're grooming men. So that is a specialty, right? I mean, would you consider that to be a specialty? Yeah, um, absolutely. Artists, especially new and upcoming artists, would you recommend that they um, kind of know everything or should they specialize or you know what I mean like you talk about like hey when I'm on a job I'll do everybody but if there's men's grooming I know what I'm doing so you have to have the ability to do like okay yeah book me for everything would you recommend like hey know a little bit about everything or just pick a specialty yeah I have mixed feelings about that so yes I do think being multifaceted is an asset. I think that's great. However, don't get so lost in trying to do it all that you spread yourself too thin. Uh, there is a makeup artist. She is the makeup artist for American Horror Story. And she was sharing with me that when she hires her team, she hires people that can do beauty, men's grooming, um, and men's, men's makeup, um, do special effects, do blood rigs. Like that's somebody like she knows that if she brings them on, she knows and feels confident that she can put them in any, you know, scene that they might need and not feel like she has to like, you know, worry about anything. Um, so she's like, I, I definitely hire people that have multiple abilities to do it all kind of. However, there's definitely those artists that are like, no, there is money in niching down and being an expert in something. I've seen the, I mean, I, ever since, this is just like a little like side social media tip or Instagram tip. Ever since I have put in my title of my social media, my Instagram, men's groomer, I have consistently gotten hired solely as a men's groomer. And I get a high, it sounds weird, but I get higher rates because of it. Wow. So there's money in, in, in niching down and being, you know, in that expertise world. Um, so I see both sides. I definitely think that one thing that I will share is never, ever, ever. Some people will say, take a, all jobs, say yes to everything. Um, and I think that at the beginning of your career, it's great to, you know, get your feet wet in all the, all the like areas, but if there's something that you really don't know how to do, do not, you have no business taking it. Like, for example, if you've never ever put a prosthetic on and you get hired for something that requires prosthetics, 
I highly suggest not doing that, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, because what happens is when you get there, if anything goes wrong, the stress of the situation will cause you to never get a call back and potentially be told down a snowball effect, hey, don't hire her or don't hire him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's definitely like times that I've been like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a job, I'll do this wig, but the amount of stress that was involved in the process of creating this wig, I had never done wigs before and it was a huge build. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just wanted to say yes to the job. And it wasn't a good decision. I'll just put it that way. I'll just put it that way. So regretted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, you know, there's a couple of things that I wanted to touch on that's like, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk with about you. This is great. Um, one is uh what do you think the most common mistake is that you see that new makeup artists do? Ooh. Ooh, this is a good one. This is like a very, like, I don't want to bash people. So, because there's only things I'm like, eh, I don't do that. But this one is very neutral. So something that a lot of newer makeup artists tend to do is they get out of school and or they, they make that decision, that initial decision. I want to be a makeup artist. Let's go with this, right? And they they start reaching out to people to assist. And the most common mistake that I have seen, and I have made this mistake too, so I am totally at fault for this, but I have since then changed my, my thought process in this, is when now you're networking on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever platform, people tend to say, hey, my name is, I don't know, um, Sarah, and I really love your work, Amber. Uh, I would love to assist you. Let me know if you ever need an assistant. And in my mind, as receiving that, I have no idea who you are. Right. So in my mind, there's no context around why I would hire you or why we would be a good fit. I, I always teach that assisting and me, like when I hire assistants, most likely I have like a list of about eight people that I personally know have worked with before, before I ever go to somebody that I don't know. Mm -hmm. So if I ever do go to somebody I don't know, it's because I've developed a relationship with them over time and I know what to expect from them. Mm -hmm. So I always suggest if you're trying to assist somebody before you make that initial, like, let, I want to assist you. Let me know when you have a position open, develop a relationship, whether that is commenting consistently on their feed, on their posts and constantly interacting with their stories. So they know your name and they're seeing your name so that when you initially make that, that jump to say, Hey, let me assist you. They've already seen your name. So they know who you are. Does that make sense? So it, it's almost like dating. It's like if a guy comes up to you or a girl comes up to you and is like, hey, I think you're really cute. You want to go on a date? Like, it's like uh, most people, you don't know. Yeah, most people are kind of like a little put off that. Or even like the first date that you have is like, hey, you want to get married. So you have to know each other, right? Exactly. Drink. Can I have a dinner first, right? We're not exactly. And it goes for the, the other side too. It's like here, I've, I've made this mistake in, in my career early on where I was just, it becomes almost out of desperation, right? So 
I was like, I would love to assist you. I would love to assist you. And here's the thing, just so everybody that's listening knows that's a makeup artist. Uh, you're going to get a million people that just don't respond. Like, don't let that hinder you. But, you know, constantly going and going and going and being like, hey, you know, person one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, asking all these people if they need an assistant, you're going to get one person that's like, actually, yeah, I need an assistant. Yeah. So the thing is, is that um, you, you just want to like, make sure that it's a good fit for both parties. Cause like, there's been a time where I did that. I got the assistant position and she was a nightmare. So mm -hmm. it goes both ways. You want to make sure that you're a good fit and that you have similar, you know, um, likes and dislikes be before working together, because it can be a catastrophe for both people. If you're not a good fit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like my other question to you, was, um, you know, at full disclosure to everyone, Amber is in a recruiter for Naya. Yay! She's a Yay. recruiter. Um, and, you know, when we are going through the pros, um, pros meaning makeup artists that you would like to invite onto the platform, you know, one of the things you were like saying is like, hey, you know, they have a website, but they don't have Instagram. You know, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, you know, that's fine would you recommend to everyone that, Hey, this is what everyone's looking at right now. I mean, I feel like a website gives someone legitimacy kind of like, Hey, this is my portfolio and it's more professional. But like you said, you've mentioned social media so many times in our conversation that that's like the first go-to, you know, people will either Google you or they'll go to Instagram and see if you have a profile there. Right. I mean, is it still necessary to have a website? I mean, how, what would you put place weight on more? Um, I say they're both equally in my world, just as, for example, if I'm hiring somebody, like say I am in need of an assistant, um, I would look at their Instagram for sure. Um, but I also go off of their website because if they don't have a website that, um, one is a working website and two, just like I can see their, their work, I'm not going to hire them. So here's the thing with Instagram feed versus website. So Instagram, um, and how do I put it? It's like, you can make your Instagram, your portfolio, and you can make it look really, really, really nice. However, it helps significantly when you have your own website. So one, it, it, it like brings legitimacy for sure, but also it's kind of like, I don't know how to explain it other than it's, it's extremely helpful if you have both. One thing that I do want to say also is if you have a website, but your Instagram is kind of iffy, Mm -hmm. And it's not like it doesn't showcase your absolute best work that can work against you as well. So they go both hand in hand. Instagram is obviously now, I mean, I have heard, you know, really big um, clients of mine and also like even celebrities have wanted to hire me, but they asked to see my Instagram and they also asked to see my website, but according, they'll, they'll hire according to what my Instagram looks like for mm -hmm. sure. For sure. So it's almost like they, they get, they get to know you better on your they, Instagram. It's almost, they, like, you know, 
I feel like a website's like old school yellow pages, right? If you're yeah. using yellow pages, then it's like, oh, this is a real business. You know what I mean? Yes. So yeah. It does. It just, it, it's more professional, I feel like. Yeah. You know, um, the other thing too, just to kind of also make a note of this is that Instagram owns you you own your website. So God forbid you get locked out of your Instagram, Instagram goes out for the day or whatever. You have your website that has your portfolio. So, um, and, and like the, my biggest clients always want to see my website at the end of the day. Like they'll go to my Instagram initially, make that initial decision, like yes or no, does she have the type of work we're looking for? They'll email me and say, Hey, can we have your website? It's right. so strange, but that's, yeah. Let's talk about Instagram. You yeah. Know, when a person has an Instagram page, and like you said, um, some people will use Instagram to kind of sh to showcase their work and it'll be their portfolio, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then of course they'll have like link in bio their website. How much should they reveal of their personal life? If they're going to use this, you know, as like their portfolio and you know that some clients or potential clients are looking at, your Instagram to see your work. How much are you, are should they divide it up and have like a personal page or should they showcase, you know, like, or disclose some, you know, some of their private life so that their clients can kind of get um, to know their personality? Totally. So I love this question. This is something I teach uh, inside. I have a social media program that I teach exactly this. And so what I always teach is that you have to have either the 80-20 rule or the 90-10 rule. So 80% of your content <laughs> is your portfolio and 20%, and I'm talking feed, your, your feed, your main feed. So when somebody goes to your website, or sorry, your Instagram sees your feed, 80% of that feed should be your portfolio, 20% personal. It's even better if it's 90% portfolio, 10% personal. Your Instagram stories is where you should utilize your personality. That's where you get personal. So um, because there's only 24 hours, you can do whatever. But if, if you have a feed, one thing that I have seen time and time again is makeup artists put way too much personal stuff like dog photos and landscape photos and food photos on their feed. And it's like, this doesn't say anything about your makeup. Why would I hire you according to what you're eating? So, right. So some people actually create a completely two separate things. So it's like a hundred percent portfolio and then a hundred percent personal, but that's not necessary. In my personal opinion, everybody has different opinions on this. I don't think that's necessary because in my mind, that sounds like a headache. I yeah. have two web or two. It is. It's so, it's a lot to, to manage. And so, um, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, fan of making things easier. So I say, just keep one, you know, if you haven't already made two and make it, you know, 80, 20 or 90, 10, and then just utilize the stories for your personal. And here's the thing with the stories, you have to consistently post on stories. Cause what happens is it's now we're turning into this new algorithm with Instagram that people aren't really paying attention to your feed. Right. However, the people that are hiring us when they go to, they see that initially, but it's not like, it's such a low percentage of people that are seeing when you post. So it's a whole thing, but Instagram, when you do Instagram stories, the numbers are a lot higher. So for example, say for instance, I got 40 likes on one post on my feed, mm -hmm. I'll get like 
300, 400, 500 views on my Instagram story. It's a significantly higher percentage of my followers that are seeing my story. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if I'm consistently posting in my stories, I'm top of mind for producers, directors, photographers to hire me. And I've seen this work time and time again. The more consistently um, consistent I am posting on my Instagram stories, the more work I end up getting from that. Not my feed, my stories. It's so strange. It's, it's like, it's really funny because when we're looking at, when you and I are looking at um, applicants, Tanaya, we, we do take a look at their Instagram. You know what I mean? And then it's like, and then I look at their website because I think that um, the Instagram also portrays their personality. You know what I mean? And if they're kind of quirky or, you know, or what they look like. And a lot of times, like, we don't know what the artist looks like. Right. And, and that's one thing. And I don't know why that is like, we're trying to figure out, okay, is that her or no, that's her client. So where is she, you know? So would you recommend the artist to like, I don't know, have a, um, a profile pic or to, you know, take a headshot. Is that important, especially to get work? Let's say maybe not for a bride, but maybe to be on set, do they need to have a headshot? Yes, I love this question. Yes. Okay. So I highly suggest, and here's the thing I want to like put this out there. These are all my own personal opinions and experiences. So I don't want to be like, this is what you need to do or else you're going to fail. What I would suggest is in your profile picture, making sure that it's your face. I actually spoke with a girl who's a makeup artist. I won't say her name, but she had a, a photo of a model that she worked on. It was like this absolutely stunning, you know, hair and makeup that she did. And every time she would go to set, nobody knew who she was or like, who are you here for? Because they didn't, they thought that this girl that they were hiring, and here's the thing, unfortunately, that I only speak, you know, in my experience in LA, there's a lot of people that will hire girls that are really, really pretty, right? And in any industry, any Amber. industry, right, right, right. Okay. So if your profile photo makes, is like a certain person that is a, like a professional model and you show up and you're not that model, it can be off-putting. And so um, not that they're like, well, I'm never going to hire her again because I feel slighted by her that she's not this model. Right. It just goes to show that your face is what people identify you as. And I, that sounds so incredibly shallow, but having your face is, is really, really, really helpful, not only for people to feel connected to you, but to know who they're looking for. You know what I mean? Um, there's actually this one girl I'm thinking of right now that she has the same situation and I've only interacted with her through direct messages and there's some stories. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's her. I would have like, that's not what I imagined her to be because like she has only models on her feed and only a model on her um, icon. And so that just goes to show it's like, it's really strange how that works. It's a complete psychological like, you know, thing. Kind of weird, like, and and then what do you think about when the artists they put makeup on themselves? Like a lot, they're showcasing just you know their makeup on themselves, not really on the models. Yeah, I think this is great. I I don't see any issues with it at all. There's a makeup artist. Uh, she is the makeup artist for the show Euphoria on HBO. Her name is Donnie Davy, and she does stuff on herself all the time. There's another makeup artist that I'm a huge fan of who I've worked with. Um, Alexander French, she does the same thing. Uh, the cool thing is if you can integrate whatever you're doing on yourself 
into the overall look of your feed where it doesn't look off, if that makes sense. Like say for instance, you start doing that and the lighting looks weird. That can make your feed look a little off. Um, but if you can kind of incorporate different color themes and make the, the photos look great, I think it's great. Right now we're in such an awkward time that a lot of artists are not really working. And right. so what better way to just you know, work on yourself. And here's the thing, what I have come to find with social media and actually getting work from social media is regardless of what you're doing, if you're just constantly posting, whether it's working on yourself, posting photos of you know fun products that you've come by, people will always see that. And then they'll think of you when they need to hire a makeup artist. Because one thing is there's a lot of makeup artists that have left this industry since the lockdown. And so some, there was a producer that asked me, hey, are you still doing makeup? And yeah. so that made me realize like, not everybody knows that you're still working. Too, you know, Amber, that a lot of our pros that when we first started with the app, um, you know, they're, they're not there anymore. Yeah. And they're not there because they couldn't get, you know, like that industry is, yeah. you know, they're not relying solely on Naya, but they're also doing in person. And because the lockdown has been so long, you know, um, almost a year okay. that it's like, they can't survive on just like, okay, um, waiting around. They have to, you know, they, maybe they'll come back and hopefully they will, but you know, they have to pay the bills. Yeah. And it's really interesting because, okay, if you think about fashion and beauty, right. And trend setting and taking a look at trends, it's kind of like, okay, what has the trend been? Um, loungewear and no makeup, mud masks. So it's like, okay, what is the trend going to be moving forward? Because no one's been out, right? Right. So it's like, okay, we're slowly going out. What do you think the next trend is going to be? Oh, here's one thing. I've always been like disconnected from trends. Um, as far, I don't know. I don't know. I really can't. I have no idea. I feel like I feel like the, what has been abundantly clear that has been brought to the surface is the lack of true community that our industry has. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that trend, I can speak to this trend as far as, like I can't necessarily speak for like fashion trends, but the trend of makeup artists actually coming together as a community to support one another. Like we all needed support during this time more than we ever have. And we have come together on a completely different level than we ever have. So I think this new trend of not looking at every single person as, you know, a huge competitor. It's more like we're all in this together, yeah. you know, we got to be there for one another, you know? It's like when I, um, there's a couple of things that I've said is that, you know, one with Naya, we solve a common problem, but each problem has their own personal story, you know, as far as the ladies are concerned and our clients. But, you know, we wanted to create, they're like, oh, you want to create a community? And I said, yeah, we are a community, but on the makeup artist side, it's like a sisterhood. It's a family. So it's a smaller unit, you know? And when you think of family, it's support, right? And cheerleading one another, recognizing other people's accomplishments and their skill set, and being there for one another. So, you know, what's great is that we have this, um, this swell, like, yes, we just talked about people possibly leaving the industry because they couldn't find work, but we also have new ones coming in. 
And what's really cool are the veterans who want to look back and help these young girls, you know, because man, this was like a really tough time. Already when you enter any type of workforce and you're new, it's going to be tough, but it's really tough. And people talk about, I feel so sad for these. You just said this like last week, you're like, I feel really sad um, and really bad for these new graduates, you know, because there are no jobs for them already. They're going to have to compete and it's hard to compete when you're new, you know, you got to cut your teeth and pay your dues. But when it's like the Sahara desert and there's nothing, you know, then you hear about these students who graduate and then they've paid these bills and how are they going to pay these bills, right? And how, how do they move forward? So I really like the idea of like, look, we need to be there for one another because it's not only tough for you, it's tough for us, but let's support one another, right? And let's not be so catty and mean girls. And yes, it's going to be competitive and I may see you on a shoot or whatever, or we might be vying for the same job, but let's try to get through this. So I see this on social media, this sense of like sisterhood within the beauty industry, albeit if it's a hairdresser, a makeup artist, nail technician, that all these in-person services have suffered because of the lockdown. But it's really actually, if you think of it like a silver lining coming out of it, it's like this togetherness, like, you know, we're all in this together. And so let me like recognize someone who I admire, or I love your talent. I really see that coming forth. And I really hope that that continues. Same. You know, I don't know if it will, there's like this kumbaya moment, but. (laughs) (laughs) We're all just in a a circle, like hugging each other. other. I love you, you know, but it's, it's true. And I mean, I, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we talked about this, like at first when we um, looked at Naya, it was like an approval process, right? Like, okay, is your work good? And then, you know, when we all talked about it, like, okay, why are we shutting people out? Right. Like, why don't we open it up for a platform for everyone? And then, you know, maybe this is not our style. Like you said, like, I don't, follow trends. I don't know trends, but there may be people who want to follow trends. Yeah. And those artists who do trend looks, you know, so who are we to decide um, that what is cool and what's not cool, what's beautiful, what's not beautiful, right? The only thing you do is like, oh, this is good work. This is bad work because of course you don't want someone giving bad advice, right? right. Because that's, then it's, we're harming someone, but I think what's come out of this also with the lockdown is like, you know, they always say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And now we're seeing like, you know what, what used to be cool isn't cool anymore. And I get to decide what's cool. Yeah. I get to decide what's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. And I, and I enjoy seeing different artists and their different interpretations of a look. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so awesome because that's what art is, like a person's interpretation. Mm-hmm. So let's think about your tastes. What are your tastes? Oh, I am as laid back as they come. Um, <laughs> I am. That's why I was like, I can't really talk to trans because I'm with you on like, like I agree full, full heartedly that right now it's a, what's trend, like trending or trendy is having your own way of expressing yourself so you know I was talking about this the other day mom jeans are in 
I would never wear that, but it's a new trend. You know what I'm saying? So like, I can't say too much. Right? The big, those big pants that like, first of all, I'm short and I got short legs. I yeah. would never be able to pull that off. Yeah. If I was five foot nine, maybe. Right. Five, please. <laughs> exactly. So my style is very like laid back. And I think that's why I gravitate towards men's grooming so much because it's such a, you know, you're doing just very basic skincare and very minimal makeup. And when I do makeup, like for females and when I'm, you know, doing like my commercials and advertising, it's that clean beauty look that I always get work for. So my style is very like natural. Um, me personally, I don't, I don't wear makeup because I'm actually kind of allergic to it, which is very ironic and bizarre. I, yeah, it's so strange. Um, but I get really itchy if I wear foundation. Lactose intolerant who's an ice cream maker, right? Yes. Yeah, right. It totally is. That's a great analogy. And so um, I like don't really wear makeup um, because my skin will hate me. And so it's so funny because it's like I'm this makeup artist and some people when I come on to set, they're like, oh, you're the makeup artist. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm, I just don't have like a ton of makeup on. Like, so my, my style is definitely very laid back and, um, minimal. I would say even like my clothes are, are very, um, like neutral. Like I don't, uh, like I don't wear a lot of jewelry or anything like that. It's pretty, pretty minimal, pretty neutral and just like casual, I guess. Um, but I will say like something I always do is I always wear a hat um, I like to wear like leather jackets. Like that's about as like, you know, trendy as I get. What? That's pretty hip. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say more alternative, I guess. Like I'm, I'm like stuck in the nineties. Like I'm an alternative rock chick. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like I'm definitely not super girly. I'm more of a tomboy, I'd say in that sense. You know what? I think this is a perfect point for us to stop because, yeah. you know, wrapping it up is like it kind of shows like your personality and your taste kind of shows in the makeup that you do right yeah, totally 100 you know, saying like hey I don't wear makeup and I'm kind of <laughs> basic not a basic bitch but I am a basic bitch though you know, basic bitch and proud of it <laughs> you know it shows in your like your your makeup like you know the natural beauty that you like the it's just beautiful like Celeste and I were talking about it but thank you and it kind of shows. So then maybe that's the parting advice that we give to the artists out there, you know, mm -hmm. to yourself. Like if, if you are like kind of quirky and you like quirky makeup, then don't force yourself into a box because oh, you yes. get comfortable, right? If this is, you know, you're laid back and you like minimalism and it shows, you know, this is your eye and your taste then that's your craft. That's what you should hone in on, right? And not force yourself to be somebody that's not. Exactly. Yes, I, would, I agree a hundred thousand percent because um, for a while I was really getting the special effects and I always felt so out of place because all these special effects artists are a bit more like kind of gothy almost or like more... Um, they're more like the grungy alternative, uh, like they're obsessed with all these, you know, special effects movies and um, aliens and stuff like that. And I, they would say like movies and I'm like, I've never seen that. 
like, and I always felt so out of place, but I loved doing it, but I definitely, it was one of those things that I was just trying to do what I explained earlier. Like I was just trying to learn it all so I could be more hireable, but it wasn't necessarily what I was passionate about, which I, I'm going back to like, going back to the like expertise, you know, like really niching down. But I love that you're bringing this up because I have been talking a lot about this. It's like, whatever you identify with the most is you're going to get, it's going to be a lot easier if you, to, for you to book jobs. If you just allow that, like my men's grooming, I, I don't, I identify with being more laid back and more minimal. And I know that that's my asset as far as like my work goes. Like I'm really good at that. I can base match anybody. And so that's my forte. That's my expertise. And ever since I have finally like really been like, that's who I am. It's what I am. It's me as a person. It's what lights me up. I had like, I've been so incredibly fortunate to stay consistently busy since June. And I think that that's a big reason why. Yeah. It shows in your work. Yes. Well, Hubert, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, there's so much to talk about. And the thing is, is that you're a wealth of information, but we don't want to give everything out. Right. You know, first interview. I mean, I think this is going to be such a huge hit because we get so many questions and we get downloaders who are on the member side. But the thing is, is that they've gone to school and they don't necessarily want to learn about makeup on themselves, but they want access to veterans like yourself on like, okay, how do I promote myself? You know, maybe they want to know about the business end, but also the technical side and, and improving their skill set. But, you know, we're going to be having that mentor um, mentorship that we're going to be offering to newbie artists and they're going to have access to people like you um, who will have tips and um, hacks and also advice because you cut your teeth, you paid your dues. You know, I always ask this and, um, and I think people can remember, but do you remember the first time you said no? Uh, yes, I do. And there's been, it's so, I love that you're asking me this because it's very powerful to say no, but it's, it was one of the hardest things to do. Um, and yeah, I do. I do remember. Yeah. You know, it's like, everyone says like, come from a place of yes. And like, yeah, like be open, but don't be afraid to say no. Yes, right. Exactly. Powering moment of like, you know what? I don't feel comfortable or this is not what I want to do. And be okay saying no, right? Because you're protecting yourself. Well, Amber, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you for having me. This is great. I love fun. I want to thank our talented Amber for sharing the secrets on how to become a successful and marketable makeup artist. For the full video version of this podcast, please visit our YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe to receive notifications of our next podcast. To be up to date on all things Naya, make sure to check out our Instagram page at Naya Beauty App. Thanks guys. See you next time.